The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. I can still recall the day when Jesus saved my soul, when his blessed Holy Spirit came and took But uh, we do have a blessed place here. And as I said, Linda and I and our family are blessed to be a part of it. I count it a tremendous honor to be called an assistant pastor. I love to help our pastor and to help you minister to you. It, it is awesome. And I want tonight, the title of the message is called Unified Variety. And I want to talk about the importance of what we have here and how we all play a role in this. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, let me read. Verses 12 through 20, and then just drop down to 25. For as the body is one, talking about the human body, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, important there, it's God setting the members, every one of them, uh, in the body as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are there many members, yet one body. Then verse 25, <clears throat> that there should be no schism or fracturing uh, or division, schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. Let's ask God's blessing on our time together. Father, would you please meet with us? Thank you for those that have been faithful in showing up tonight. I pray that you would give them a blessing that they could only receive by being here. But Father, we know there's those that are providentially hindered. Their heart is here, but their body is home or elsewhere. And we pray your hand of blessing on them. I do pray that through your spirit that you would give us understanding in the things of God. And may Jesus be glorified in all this. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that God made a masterpiece when he made the human body. I've had the privilege, as, as I've said before, of going through human anatomy in very detail. And as I would look at the body from a gross standpoint, or what we would call macro standpoint, and then from a micro standpoint, it is amazing what God did when he created Adam and made Eve. It's fascinating. We, it truly is a masterpiece. And it says in Psalm 139, 14, 
The Bible says, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works. And the body is just fascinating. Just a few facts, because I'm going to try to parallel the human body tonight with us as a church family and how important it is for all of us to do our function well for the glory of God and for the benefit of others. Now, these are just general statements, but the heart pumps roughly 2,000 gallons of blood a day. That's just enormous. On an average, your heart beats a little over 100,000 times a day, realizing that you have a limited amount of beats. But over 100,000 times a day, we breathe, on average, around 17,000 times a day. And and you don't even think about it. That's one of the marvels of our body is that we're not even aware of it. For those that would classify themselves as normal mentally or sane in their right mind, we have roughly 50,000 thoughts a day. And as I've told my Sunday school class many times, most of us in here, we can look the part, we can talk the part, but our main issue is our thought life. And so we have 50,000 thoughts on an average a day. Just think of opportunity that the world, the flesh, and the devil has to insert ungodliness into our thought life. And so we must, we, we must watch out in regards to our thoughts. Uh, also, uh, in regards to the stomach, it doesn't get a lot of attention unless it's big. But, uh, you know, the pH or the acidity of our gastric juices is roughly around 2, which obviously digests a lot of your food that you eat, but yet it doesn't digest the stomach. That's marvelous. I mean, that just didn't happen. That was designed by a creator, that creator is God, because the stomach lining secretes what's called an alkaline substance that neutralizes the potent acid that the other cells in the stomach produce. And, and you can tell as I went through this, it, I just marveled at the, the wisdom, and if I can say the genius of God, how he did this. The eye blinks greater than 28,000 times a day. If you didn't blink, your cornea would dry out, you would go blind. Now, this is, uh, for some men in the room tonight, this doesn't apply, but the number of hairs on your head, on an average, is 100,000. Some less, some much less. But if you take, if you take each hair follicle, and you add up the growth of all your hair in a day, it's estimated to be a little over 50 meters of hair growth a day for all of your hair, which is amazing. And then lastly, and, and we could go through a lot more, <clears throat> but each of your kidneys has roughly a million little filters called nephrons that filtrate our blood and allow us to remain healthy and whole and, and hopefully happy. So it's amazing. It is marvelous. And God designed the human body to work 
although different aspects of it, all working together for the benefit of the whole. And he likens the human body to us, and God has made us distinctly different, but that we should operate together for the benefit and the glory of God and also for each other. It's very, very fascinating, and it's all designed for the body now. The body wants life, the body wants growth, and the body wants renewal, and it is the same for us. You and I, were not kidneys or hearts or lungs. One friend of mine tonight said he's the nail on the baby toe, but that's okay because if you lost your nail on the baby toe, the whole body would know that you lost that nail because you would not feel well. Your shoe wouldn't fit just right. Your sock would snag on a piece of that tissue, and that pain would talk to you. And so it, even though it seems insignificant, it's not. And we all have different talent sets. We all have different abilities or functions, but we must work together for harmony in the body of Christ so that we can function well and that we can produce life. Life for those that are lost to hear the gospel and get saved and for children of God to grow in their spiritual life and find renewal in their life. So it is of vast importance that we work together uh, as a human body works together so that we can honor and glorify God and build his kingdom. You see, if we oppose one another and expect to function well, we won't. Just like the human body, there's a condition, there's a group of conditions <clears throat> called autoimmune disorder. Under that list would be lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, Sjogren's syndrome, a bunch of different things. And that is where the immune system, your own immune system, looks at some of your tissue, and it's, it's supposed to look at your tissue as normal or family, but it looks at the tissue as foreign or abnormal. And so the immune system creates antibodies that attack that tissue type in your body. And for those that have or have heard of someone with lupus or rheumatoid, it can be devastating, it can be debilitating, and the same goes for us if we are sniping, backbiting, after each other, my friends, it's not how God wants his church to operate. It's just not. It's not, I think we can say definitively, God's will. So tonight, I want to share with you four things we all have in common. And one warning, if I can slip that in at the end. The first thing we all have in common is one appetite. One appetite. And that is Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Psalm 119, 16, I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. One of my favorite psalms is Psalm 1, verse 2 says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Our appetite as a church body should be the precious word of God. We should love the word of God. We should have a passion for the word of God. 
like you and I, most of us in here, have a passion for physical food, and most of us don't go a day without it, but how many of us will go a day without the Word of God? And I believe, even though we need to take care of ourselves physically, our priority should be in the spiritual realm. That doesn't mean we neglect the physical, but we should have a passion for the Word of God. We should allow the Word of God to permeate our life. And as Pastor said a few weeks ago, it's not that you have to read the Word of God, but you get to read the Word of God. That's what we need. That's the appetite that we all have in common. Now, I've had people, medically speaking, that lost their appetite because of a medical condition. And regardless of where you are on the scales, you don't want these conditions for weight loss. But those people, <clears throat> as they lose massive amounts of weight, uh, become very weak, very fatigued, very lethargic. Their mental focus starts to go and it's the same spiritually. You're not going to be strong spiritually if you don't feed yourself. We must be passionate. And some might say, I don't have a passion for the Word of God. Then you must ask yourself the question, why? Are you a child of God? First and foremost, make sure you are a child of God. And then secondly, if you are a child of God, I would get on my knees, I would pray and fast and say, God in heaven, give me a passion for your word. And I believe that is God's will for us to have a passion. Therefore, we would be praying the will of God, and I believe the will of God would be done, and he would give you a passion for the Bible. And so there's one appetite, that is the word of God. Secondly, there's one attitude. We should all be of one attitude, and that attitude is an attitude of love. A latitude of love. John 13, 35, it says, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. The world needs to see the love of God in us. And that love of God need to be, needs to be punctuated with grace, mercy, and forgiveness. Because we truly are here to help, to heal, and to encourage each other. It says in Philippians 2.2, Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. You can see how it's supposed to all come together. <clears throat> what I'm afraid happens in many of our lives, we're too busy looking around instead of looking up. We have to be careful about the criticism and condemnation. I'm not talking about condoning unrighteousness. But as Jesus said, when the woman was caught in adultery, he who be without sin cast the first stone. May we be very careful about picking up stones. The proper attitude, Paul told Timothy, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I'm chief. 
Paul considered himself the chiefest of sinners? Do you? You see, if I say this this evening, and I do say this, I, George Crabb, I am the chiefest of sinners. Adam should stand up and say, no, George, I'm the chiefest of sinners. And then Brother Knott should stand up and say, no, Adam and George, you're not. I'm the chiefest of sinners. And everyone in here should pop up and say, no, you're not, I am. Because here it is, here's the thought. If you do not think you're the chiefest of sinners, that means you think someone else is. And if you think someone else is the chiefest of sinner and not you, that means you think you're better than that person, and the Bible calls that self-righteousness. And Jesus had a tough time with the self-righteous crowd, didn't he? I'm the chiefest of sinners. And that way there, when someone comes into our church, and our church should be a city of refuge, our church should be a hospital for the sick, not a place where a bunch of fat cat Christians condemn and criticize because we think we are so much better. By the grace of God, it could be us. It could be me out there in this in skid row. It could be me out there drunk or high. It could be me out there committing immorality. But by the grace of God, it's not. So may I demonstrate love, mercy, grace, and forgiveness, never condoning that, but trying to help those. Because it could be you and it could be your boy. It could be your daughter. And I would want people to help. So we need to have one appetite the word of God, one attitude, which is love, one agenda, number three. The agenda of this place should be the spreading, or is, the spreading of the gospel message locally and abroad. Never get tired of hearing the gospel message. It's to be preached all the time. It's to be taught because we never know who's in the crowd that may be lost. And it might be a member. It could be a part of the leadership team. It, it could be anybody. And so the one agenda, it says in Philippians 1.27, that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Because there's only one thing that can truly change a life. And that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Remember what it did in your life? I, told, I believe I told my Sunday school classes a few weeks ago, I was saved at the age of 13. I was in eighth grade at the time. When I was in seventh grade, just being transparent with you all, uh, I would throw the occasional spitball. And <clears throat> I was in math class. I remember it vividly, fourth hour math class. And I was... Uh, I had a, a nice spitball made, and I threw it at somebody, but a girl got in the way, and it just so happened, and I am telling you the dead, honest truth. She opened her mouth at, on a profile, and the spitball, as she closed her mouth, got between her upper and lower teeth. And she obviously, I mean, it I didn't, wasn't a big deal to me, but for her, it was a big deal. And she spit it out, and she made a big commotion, 
that uh, the teachers noticed. And so we were on lockdown. And the teacher said, who did this? Oh, hey, I, my mom and dad did not raise a dummy. I'm not volunteering this. Now, I say all this to say this, I'm lost. I'm, I'm not saved. I'm not a child of God. I don't have the spirit in me. And I was in the first row back seat. It got to me, and she said, George, did you throw the spitball? No. Go to the next person. No conviction. No remorse. I was actually, if you don't mind me saying, proud of what happened. However, in January of 79, I accepted Christ as my Savior. And I'm going to tell you, when I just bold lied and no problem, no conviction, no troubling, it was different after I got saved. Because uh, I still did occasional things that weren't proper. And I would get in trouble, and I would try to get out. But I remember the overwhelming conviction of the Spirit of God in my life to get things right. And so we must realize that the gospel message will change a life. That's why in Psalm 51, it doesn't talk about medicine. It doesn't talk about psychobabble. It talks about the Word of God. <clears throat> when David is praying to God, he says, You, God, renew in me a right spirit. Only God can do that. David goes on to say, Restore my soul. Only the gospel, only the Lord Jesus Christ can renew a spirit and restore a soul. Nothing else you'll ever come in contact with can do those things. That's why I enjoy the song that says, come to the water. There is a vast supply. And it says, drink of this water and you'll never thirst again. That's the satisfaction of the gospel message and thinking about it because someone here tonight may not know Christ as their savior. There might be children of God that are a little bit casual about their walk with God, but in 100 years, what will matter? Not what you're going to watch on TV when you get home. Not what you're going to eat when you get home. Not what you're going to drive, although I do wish it was a pickup truck. I'm not bitter about it. But not what you're going to drive on the way home, and I don't blame my wife for that. Not what you're going to drive on the way home. Not the type of work you're going to do tomorrow. But in a hundred years, you're going to be saying, thank God I accepted Christ. That's what you're going to say. Thank God you swallowed the gospel. That's what you're going to be happy about. And so there's one agenda. Fourthly, there's one action. One action we should all be involved in. Ephesians 6.13 Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Our action should be to stand. Be unmovable. I love Gospel Baptist Church. I love our pastor. I love what we have here. And my friends, I know this is God's house. It's God's church. But may I say it this way, you know, in athletics, when you play at someone's home field, they'll say this, this is our house. This is ours. By the grace of God, I know it. We need to protect what we have here. 
Because if we do not protect what we have here, the outside influences of the world, the flesh, and the devil will have its reign on what we have, and they will ruin what we have. The best thing that you can do for your pastor is pray for him every day. I'm not the poster child of a prayer life, but I'm going to tell you, 98, 99% of the days I pray for our pastor. It doesn't take long. And by the way, like tell family, you're included in that. Because the best way to pastor sometimes can be through the family. I say, dear God, thank you for my pastor. Be with him and his wife and his family. I pray that you would keep them strong, keep them healthy. Give them wisdom to lead the church. Give them spiritual strength, grace, and mercy. And then I pray for the church. That God would bless us spiritually and numerically if God so desires. It doesn't take long. But it's one of the best things we all could do. Because of what we have. Because I do not want to lose what we have here. But we must stand against the works of the devil as our own immune system looks at outside influences, viruses, bacteria, uh, fungi, or uh, many would say funguses, but uh, fungi, uh, our immune system would attack those outside intruders as the influence, I'm not talking necessarily about people, although sometimes you have to take care of certain people, but the influences of the world, the flesh, and the devil, we as a body here need to uh, get our own immune system heightened and attack that negative, ungodly influence because it will have a damaging effect on all of us. And so may we do that. We need to defend our church, our families, and ourselves. And we must keep the main thing the main thing. I love our music here, but it doesn't take the place of preaching the gospel. We can have plays and... Uh, drama, and other events, but it doesn't take the place of preaching the whole counsel of God. And the whole counsel of God is the first part of Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation. It's the whole thing, and it said, may we protect our house. Now allow me to give you the warning. I've given you one appetite, one attitude, one agenda, and one action. And to make it so you remember, I, and Pastor actually gave me this idea too, one amputation. One amputation. When we were back in Michigan, <clears throat> I practiced out of Troy, Royal Oak and Troy Beaumont Hospital. And as an internal medicine physician, we would take ER call. Someone that came to the hospital that needed to be admitted but didn't have a doctor on staff, if you were the ER call doctor, they would call you and that person would be admitted under your service. And those were good nights. No sleep. You'd get seven to ten admissions. It was good. I had a homeless man come in. He was living in the woods of the city of Troy. And when he was out in the woods making his little place where he was going to stay, a very thick, jagged log 
lacerated his, lo his lower leg, probably a good 10 inches. Obviously, he didn't have medical insurance. He thought he'd take care of it himself. That was his thought process. What he was thinking, I don't know. But after several weeks, he came to the emergency room, and he had a, at least a 10-inch laceration. The skin all around it was swollen and red and hot. And I'm not going to bother you with the grossness of what I saw. You can ask me afterwards if you'd like to know what I saw. But when I peeled back the skin of that 10-inch laceration, I saw things I never thought I would see in a human body. And you can ask me later about that. We tried to save that leg as best we could, but to no avail. We had to do what's called the below-the-knee amputation. Because, you see, that lower leg, the infectious process that was ongoing, was not only going to take that part of the leg if we didn't do anything, it would have taken the whole person. And I know this was spoken on a few weeks ago by Brother Hal Hightower. But remember when he read in Luke 13, 9, and if it bear fruit well, and if it not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. 1 Corinthians 5, 5, talking about a man that was in gross immorality to deliver such a one unto Satan. Sometimes God has to remove somebody because it's detrimental for them to stick around for the health of the whole body. And that's a warning that we should take seriously. My friends, we are one body and we must work together. We cannot do this alone. Pastor cannot do this alone. Those that are on the staff, the deacons, the trustees, those that play instruments, lead the music, have leadership positions, whatever it might be, it's not a one-man team. Pastor delivers messages, but realize we come to receive those messages. It's a two-way street, my friends. Let me just give you some verses real quickly that demonstrate that we must be together in this. One appetite, one attitude, one agenda, one action, and with that one warning, Acts 1.14, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. Acts chapter 2, verse 1, they were all with one accord in one place. And then Romans 14, 7 says, For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. So, how are you doing with your part tonight? Are you a hindrance? Or are you a help? Are you fulfilling your talent set? We need, one of the things I made this statement one of the times I preached a while ago, but one of the things that will create harmony amongst us, not that we don't have it, but to continue it, to facilitate it, is humility. When you are humble and I am humble, I made this statement, humility breeds harmony. 
Because with pride comes contention, comes strife. But if I esteem others better than myself, we're going to get along. So I ask you tonight as we consider this, because we've been blessed. I ask you tonight, get right with God. And if necessary, get right with your family as well. And just let me leave you with another medical illustration. The number one killer in the United States for men and women is what we call coronary artery disease. And that is when one of your coronary arteries, typically speaking, uh, will have plaque buildup, and then there is reduction of blood flow to the point to where the tissue of the heart downriver from that blockage dies. And if it's a, a bigger, if it's a, a big portion of your heart muscle, people just die. And we've all had either family or friends. My good friend Steve Currington, the founder of Reformers Unanimous, had his left anterior descending artery, 95% blocked or occluded, and died immediately. But you see, the 95% plaque doesn't just happen. It starts off with 1%, 5%, 10%, and it builds until it becomes a critical blockage. Now, we can function well, we're asymptomatic when the blockage is small. But you gotta realize that small blockage leads to a big blockage. We say in Reformers Unanimous, little sins lead to big sins. We also say that all sin is addictive because that's how the devil tempts us. But may I encourage you tonight to do a little bit of an examination. And maybe you just have a 1% blockage. Maybe you have a 10%. Maybe no one else knows about it. You and God do. My friends, it will not stay there if you continue in the same lifestyle you're in, it will build, it will build until it becomes a problem that not only you're aware of, but possibly everybody else. And it could affect not only you, but everybody else, because says, we don't live unto ourselves, we don't die unto ourselves, Romans 14, 7. So I beg you, because I want us to be continue to be harmonious, build and build the kingdom of God, See lost boys and girls on the buses, family members that are lost boys and girls uh, come to know Christ as Savior. See the children of God built and growing and renewed, uh, our spirits renewed, our souls restored. But we have to, by the grace of God, stay as healthy spiritually as we can. And only you know where you stand before God. One of the other things I'll let you know about my prayer life a little bit. I pray this mainly for my family, but I gave a message several months ago about be not deceived. And I pray that, Father, don't allow me, my wife, my children to be deceived.
on where we stand before you. So tonight, just take an inventory and make sure you're right with God and you're right with others so that together we can continue forth for the honor and glory of God. There's nothing better than doing what we're doing here tonight. Because this is not only going to benefit us now, but for all eternity. Our God's an awesome God. Let's together, as a body, fulfill our skill sets, our talent sets, work together in harmony, and build the kingdom of God. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this time. <clears throat> thank you for the blessed word of God. Thank you for all that you've done here at Gospel with souls being saved, lives being changed because of the Word of God, the encouragement that we receive from each other, the prayer that we can give to for each other. Father, it is awesome to be a part of this functioning body, and may we, according to your grace and mercy, do all we can to continue this process so that you would continue to be honored and glorified. I just pray that you'll help each of your children tonight take an inventory that uh, vertically will be right with you and horizontally will be right with other brothers and sisters in Christ. And if there be someone here tonight that uh, what I said makes little sense because they're not a child of God, they do not have a personal relationship with your son Jesus, I pray that during the invitation time, they'll make their way forward and allow us to share with them in the Bible how they can become your child tonight. So Father, work through your spirit in every heart tonight. Help all of us make good, godly decisions and help us praise you for all that's going to happen. In Jesus' name, amen. If you all stand.